This is the message from Connection Community Church for Sunday, March 13th, 2022. Upside down, you're content with just who you are, no more, no less. Given by disciple member Stephanie Griffin. We are in a series called Upside Down, which focuses on the words of Jesus in his famous Sermon on the Mount in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5. Jesus had been going about Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every kind of disease and sickness. As you can imagine, that got the attention of the crowds. The Bible says great multitudes followed him. Looking at Matthew 5, verse 1, And seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain, and when he was set, his disciples came unto him. And he opened his mouth and taught them. So we understand that there were many people around. And Jesus goes up on a hillside to a higher height. And the scripture says his disciples came to him. We're not sure how many in the crowd following Jesus identified as followers or would-be disciples at this point. Many scholars believe that the landscape of the Galilean hillside, not far from Capernaum, could have been where Jesus delivered this historical message, and it's a place that could have contributed to some natural acoustics in addressing a gathering. But I think it's interesting to note that as Jesus moved higher, the disciples moved higher to him. What a picture of the entire teaching that was to follow. Jesus is calling his disciples to come to a higher way of thinking. Carefully taught words on what it looks like to be a disciple in God's way of thinking and blessing. These upside down ways, as it may be to our natural mind. We're not sure how many of the multitude were able to hear the words, But his disciples came to him. Those that wanted to hear more, those that were drawn to his presence, those that knew somehow he had the words of life, these, his disciples, drew closer to him to listen to every word. Would you pray with me? Lord, we want to draw close to you. We want to listen to every word you have to say to us. We want to be close to your presence and sit at your feet and hear the teaching of the master. Move in our hearts. Allow our ears to hear today what you would have us hear. And Holy Spirit, be in the midst of us. Thank you, Spirit that you are, and that you will empower us to receive your word, just the right message that you would have us here today for each one here. In Jesus' name, amen. In the first week of our Upside Down series, pastors Alan and Carrie shared on Ash Wednesday from the message paraphrase of Matthew 5, 3. You're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. With less of you, there is more room for God and his rule. 
This is the first of many blessed statements in what is commonly referred to as the Beatitudes, which form the first part of Jesus' famous Sermon on the Mount, a series of teaching statements that outline a pathway in discipleship. The pastors explained the more traditional version of verse 3 reads, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. In other words, it is when we are found impoverished in spirit, perhaps exhausted of our material resources, overdrawn in our emotional banks, left empty-handed with nothing in this world that we realize our dire need for God and make room for him and his ways. This is a starting point for a disciple and the point from which we can begin to receive. The last Sunday we looked at, you're blessed when you feel you've lost what is most dear to you. Only then can you be embraced by the one most dear to you. Also known as blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. While we may mourn over, even grieve over our own sin and the sinfulness of the fallen world that exposes us to great loss, we have reassurance in the God of all hope and comfort. And somehow, in God's upside-down mysteries of grace, we learned that pain breaks forth to a blessing. This brings us to the third beatitude, which is our focus this week. You're blessed when you're content with just who you are, no more, no less. That's the moment you find yourselves proud owners of everything that can't be bought. Now, while the message version is a Bible paraphrase that attempts to connect with today's reader, it can be beneficial for us to first go back to try to understand Jesus' words in the more traditional translation for this third beatitude. You may already be familiar with, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit, oops, sorry, yes, they, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Those listening to the words of Jesus that day on the Sermon of the Mount most likely would have recognized the echo of Psalm 3711. But the meek shall inherit the earth and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. Right away, we notice the upside-down thinking. Who shall inherit the earth? Wait a minute. Are you sure he didn't mean, blessed are the mighty? for they shall inherit the earth? Or blessed are the powerful, for they shall inherit the earth. Well, this may often be the thinking of our culture, to desire power, to rise to the top. But this kind of thinking can spiral out of control and in its self-interest can hurt others along the way. And actually, this desire for power in its most aggressive form and left unchecked can end up looking like the oppression 
of a Caesar or even a Putin. This is not what Jesus had in mind for his disciples. No. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. In the original Greek language of the New Testament, the word here for meek is praos, which means meek or gentle. With phrases in our culture, such as meek as a mouse, I realize that some may be tempted to associate meekness with weakness. This is not the sentiment that I believe Jesus is conveying here. The Greek word praos in this verse translated meek, actually conveys the idea of an animal that has been tamed. The strength of the animal has been brought under control and is harnessed for a productive use. This meekness manifests in a gentleness that relies upon the strength of God. Do you remember Moses in the Old Testament? Moses is described as being meek, but not at first. He was raised in power in Pharaoh's court. And at one point in his unbridled strength and anger, he killed an Egyptian that was oppressing his Hebrew brother. If you know the story, you recall Pharaoh found out. And Moses fled to Midian and became a sheep herder before his great encounter in Exodus chapter 3, when God revealed himself to him as the great I am in the burning bush. His encounter with God here marks the beginning of a gentle surrender on his part to God's will and to God's ways. And ultimately, as a result of Moses' obedience and submitting to God, Moses was used mightily to bring about the freedom of the Hebrew people from slavery under Pharaoh. Moses learned the strength of walking before God in humility and in friendship with God. And then it is said of Moses in Numbers 12:3, now Moses was a very humble man, more humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. And some translations use the word meek for humble. So Moses goes from a young man whose whose own strength and own sense of justice is carried out unsuccessfully in his unrestrained anger on behalf of one Hebrew slave to having an encounter with God which turns his world upside down. Moses learns the way of meekness and instead becomes a wiser man who in God's strength and in God's ways successfully carries out God's sense of justice, not just on behalf of one Hebrew slave, but on behalf of the entire Hebrew nation. Do you see the difference? Just think about what one person can do for God in the way of meekness and humility under his direction and his strength. Blessed are the meek, 
for they shall inherit the earth. Inheriting the earth could have a number of different meanings. The Roman Empire tried to take the earth by power and force. And while Rome conquered much territory and oppressed many people over time, this ultimately did not result in their inheriting the earth. For you see, nations that try to, hum nations that try to exalt themselves before God shall be humbled. Jesus speak God's truth, which does not change and is still true today. Powers that exalt themselves before God shall be humbled. For blessed are the meek. They shall inherit the earth. For those in the Jewish culture of Jesus' day, the phrase inherit the earth most likely speaks to the blessing of physical land. The Israelites coming out of Egypt were to receive the promised land of inheritance. Perhaps for us New Testament believers, inheriting the earth may refer to the inheritance of the nations as we are sent out as the church in the Great Commission to go into all the earth and make disciples of all nations. Additionally, inheriting the earth also brings with it an image of humankind getting back to Eden's paradise and the tree of life, as it is through meekness that we recognize our sinfulness and our need for God, that we humbly accept the sacrifice of the one who gave his life for each one of us, the one who restores us back to our proper position with the Father, removing our sin as far as the east is from the west, the one who demonstrated meekness to us like none other, our Lord and our Savior, our Messiah, Jesus the Christ. Jesus, as part of the Trinity, that's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, three in one, Jesus, as part of the Trinity, had all power, yet surrendered to his Father's plan and will. Apostle Paul writes in Philippians 2 that the Lord Jesus, although he was God, instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Hallelujah. Jesus was fully man and fully God and walked in great power, submitted in all humility to the Father's will. Remember, he prayed to the Father, not my will be done, but thy will be done. God's plan for him included going to the cross Becoming sin who knew no sin. 
and dying that we might live. His disciples had such a difficult time wrapping their heads around this. They were expecting the Messiah to to be more of a revolutionary, a political power to overthrow Rome. And Jesus' example of meekness, well, it was to them upside down. Jesus demonstrated that to be great in the kingdom was to be the servant of all. When Jesus described to his disciples that he must suffer and die, the disciples had difficulty embracing this. Surely this cannot be God's plan. Take a look at this quote from Strong's Concordance. Meekness toward God is that disposition of spirit in which we accept his dealings with us as good, and therefore, without disputing or resisting. Gentleness or meekness is the opposite to self-assertiveness and self-interest. It stems from trust in God's goodness and control over the situation. The gentle person is not occupied with self at all. This is a work of the Holy Spirit, not of the human will. Now perhaps we can make some sense out of Eugene Peterson's The Message paraphrase that we began with. You're blessed when you're content with just who you are, no more, no less. That's the moment you find yourself proud owners of everything that can't be bought. Meekness does not have to contend for position, but rather is content with who you are, and whose you are. And when we let go of the need to have power or position, the need to be in control, not only will we find great contentment with God and with others, but we will possess all things of priceless value in the kingdom. So what about you? In what ways is God calling you to a life of greater meekness and gentleness, of greater contentment. I suggest that the answer may be found as we reflect in two areas of our being humble before God and being humble before others. As a part of the conclusion of this message, we're going to take a look at these two areas And we're going to have a moment of silence followed by a prayer for each to give us an opportunity to reflect. The first is being humble before God. That's our recognition that he's God and we're not. It's our acknowledgement before a holy God that we believe he is good. His plans are wise. His way is better. And even when we can't see him working, we trust that he is. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. Here's where I'd like to get real and practical regarding being humble before God. 
You see, over time, the Lord has highlighted in my walk with him some areas in my life that reveal my own lack of meekness or humility before God. These are red flags that indicate that I'm getting off track with God. You may connect with some of these, or perhaps you may have some of your own. But for me, some red flags are, one, thinking that I'm too busy to pray. This looks like me going about doing my own thing and not prioritizing his word and his guidance. Number two, negotiating obedience. In other words, this is when I know what he wants me to do, and I'm waffling. I'm unwilling to be quick to obey what he has shown me. And number three, making excuses for sin. This is when I try to reason away my poor choices and actions. These are some things that stand in my way of being humble before God. Think about what it is for you. Meekness before God is a path to blessedness. Let's quiet ourselves in a moment of silent reflection and ask God to speak to each of our hearts. Dear God, we repent of our pride. Help us to humbly surrender our own will, our own wants and desires in exchange for your better plan. Please show us in the days ahead what that looks like and help us to prioritize your word and your presence without trying to negotiate or make excuses that we would live humbly before you. In Jesus' name, amen. The second area is being humble before others. What does meekness look like in our relationships? Apostle Paul writes, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. So not thinking of ourselves, but instead of one another. In the New Testament, Apostle Paul writes letters to the various churches, and he often uses a little Greek phrase that means one another. He uses it a lot. The people of God are members of one another. We are to build up one another, care for one another, to love one another, pursue one another's good, to bear with one another in love, to bear one another's burdens, 
to be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, to submit to one another, to consider one another better than ourselves, to be devoted to one another in love, and to live in harmony with one another. Bible scholar Gordon Fee writes, God is not just saving individuals and preparing them for heaven. Rather, he is creating a people among whom he can live and who in their life together will reproduce God's life and character. That sounds like doing life together in small groups. That sounds like coming together on a Sunday morning for worship like we did today. That sounds like raising our children together as a village and feeding the hungry and reaching out in outreach to the community. That sounds like connecting people with Jesus and the new life he offers. So let's get real and practical again. I'm going to share with you my warning signs. These are signs that the Lord showed me that reveal my own lack of humility before others. Red flag number one, preferring to be isolated. This is when I want to clam up and only be by myself in an unhealthy way to the exclusion and pushing away of other people. Red flag number two, when I feel like giving up trying to understand people. It's when I start thinking that people are just too difficult. I'm just being honest. Red flag number three. When I do things detrimental to a relationship, like being lazy about doing something for my husband, or being careless with my words, not being honoring. These things keep me from being humble before others. Take a moment. Think about what it is for you. Meekness before God and others is a path to blessedness. Let's ask God once more to speak to our hearts in a moment of silent reflection. Dear God, forgive us for our selfishness. Help us to always think of one another and how to honor others, our parents, our spouses, our children, our families, our pastors, our leaders, our brothers and sisters in the faith, our neighbors, and even our foes. Help us to return good for evil to show your gentleness and your patience and to walk in humility and live in community with each other. We are one in you. Amen. Thank you for doing that with me. There's great value in quieting ourselves before God. And I encourage, if you haven't done that before, 
Do it at home sometimes in your quiet time. Quiet yourself before God. Let him speak to your heart. This is all part of being one of his followers, giving him that time to speak to us. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. You're blessed when you're content with just who you are, no more, no less. That's the moment you find yourselves proud owners of everything that can't be bought. Connection Church, we know that God loves us the way we are, but we also know he loves us too much to leave us that way. That is good news. Let's believe it, and let's live it. Let's pray. Oh, God, thank you for this gathering today. Thank you for the time to be vulnerable and humble before you. And I pray that we would continue to seek your face, whether it be here on the steps, back in the prayer corner, in our lives each and every day. And, Lord, we recognize that meekness, gentleness, is a fruit of the Spirit. And so it's your work in us. It's not something we try to muster up or that we, we try to uh, do more of. It's something that we allow you to produce in us as we draw close to you, as we come up ever closer to you, leaning into you, and allowing your Holy Spirit to do your work in us. Thank you that this is your work. It is a, a precious work. It is a mighty work. And what it is producing in us is glorious. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to the message from Connection Community Church. For more information and to find out more about our ministries, you can visit us on our website at justshowup.church. You can also call our church offices at 302-378-7692. Thanks again for listening. Connection Community Church, connecting people with Jesus and the new life he offers.